great stuff. Love that. Such a good uh, media team we've got. Thank you so much for, for doing that. And evening, everybody. Lovely to see you. My name's Tim, part of the team here. And uh, welcome if you're a newcomer. Always love having visitors. Hope you feel welcome among us. And I, I just want to say already, I just uh, wonder if there's something of God that you have already sensed uh, in our gathering so far. I wonder if you came with expectation or not, or whether uh, through our worshiping, through our praying, just through the sense of being here, whether God has already connected with you. If, if that's the case, um, Thank God for that, and, and just take, take, I want to just take a moment, if we may. Gareth prayed a, a really good prayer. He's very, very good at praying. I'd just love to pray again, if that's okay, because uh, this is one of those messages where it's, it's uh, fine to hear the words, and it's important that we hear explanations, but we also need to experience God. Um, and I'm just going to pray again, if that's okay. So, Father, we just thank you for your, your presence, and thank you for what you're saying, and thank you for what you're doing, because you're always doing things. And God, I'm asking specifically for an anointing on our hearing. I'm asking for an anointing, Lord, your anointing, on the way that we hear, on the way that we receive, on the way that we open ourselves to you. God, keep us from striving, but enable us, Lord, to open every receptor that we've got to all that you want to say and do. I want to experience you more, want to know you more, Father. So come upon this word and bring life to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, February uh, is Hills' least, my wife Hills' least favorite month. I don't like it much. November is worse, though, because at least in February, the days are getting longer and lighter, uh, which is good. Uh, It's cold, and um, I suspect by now Arsenal have probably lost to Man City, but none of you will know that because you're all very good, and none of you will be looking at your phones uh, whilst we're gathered here, I'm sure. And... um, if you're a cricket fan, it's not very good. If you're an England rugby fan, though, there's good news, like Gareth was saying. And the best news of all is that God is really, really good all the time. And we're speaking, uh, we're speaking into a series about God's goodness. I'll explain that in a moment. First of all, I just came across an anecdote which I think will offend everybody in the room, but hopefully equally. Um, so that should be okay. A man fell into a pit. He couldn't get himself out. A philosopher came along and said to him, you only think that you're in the pit. A Pharisee came along and said, only bad people fall into pits. A religious Anglican came along and said, well, you deserve your pit. A Methodist came along and said to him, well, we brought you some food and some clothes while you're in the pit. Catholic came along and said, well, your suffering in the pit will make you stronger. Pentecostal came along, just declare loudly that you are not in a pit. And I speak to this pit in Jesus' name, and I say, be filled from the bottom upward so that this man, my brother, may walk free. Bless you, brother. And on he went. A Baptist came along. It's no accident that you're in this pit. An optimist came along. Don't worry. Things could be a lot worse. Pessimist came along. Oh dear. Things are going to get a lot worse. Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. So we're starting this series of messages in his image. We're exploring in these Sunday, Sundays of February something about the nature and character of God in whose image we're made. And the overarching Bible text, you've seen it on the screen there for this series, comes from Exodus 34. It's part of the story where Moses has led the people of, of uh, God, the people of Israel, out of Egypt. He's arrived, they've arrived at Mount Sinai, and he has this encounter with God. And Moses asks God in Exodus 33 to reveal more of who he is, more of who God is to show Moses more of his true nature and his glory. And at the beginning of chapter 34, we get this extraordinary encounter between Moses and God, maybe familiar to many in the room, maybe not to others. And God directly answers that request of Moses. 
that he would show him more of his nature and glory. I wonder if you had asked God that question, would you show me more of who you are? Would we show, show me more of your nature? Show me who, who are you? Identify yourself, God. I wonder what you would have expected. Obviously, we're conditioned with a certain amount of learning and history and experience now, but I wonder what you would have expected. This is how the account goes to Moses' question. So from verse 5 to 7, Exodus 34, then the Lord came down in the cloud. Moses is kind of hiding in the rocks. The Lord came down in the cloud, stood there with him, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And remember, by the way, that in Jewish tradition, name is not just what you're called. It's not like saying, hi, my name's Tim. It says something about your identity, something about your character. It reveals a lot about who you are. I'm the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses. I'm the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. So we're going to look at some of these characteristics uh, out of many thousands or millions that we could look at about God, but these ones from these verses in particular. And tonight we're starting, the Lord is compassionate. The first thing, notice, that God reveals himself, reveals about himself in answer to Moses' question, would you show me your glory, Lord? Would you, would you tell me, would you reveal something more of your, your nature? So amazing. God could have said all sorts of things. Of course he could. I'm holy. I'm powerful. I'm the creator. I'm, I'm majestic. I'm all sorts of things. And they would all have been true. But he wants to impress first on Moses and I believe on us now that he is a God full of compassion. He really, really needs us to know that. The heart of God is that we would really, really know that he is full of compassion, not for our sakes, not for his sake rather, but for ours, because it's a tough and scary old world. Maybe it's a little bit easier for us to, to see that in the life of Jesus, and we'll come to that later. Jesus, the perfect representation of the Father on earth in John 15, that's what Jesus says. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. It's a fantastic prism through which to understand God, Jesus' life. And time and again, we find that it's in his compassion that Jesus is moved to action and, as it were, to reach down into, into that pit where someone is, whether self-imposed there because of their own bad choices or, or inflicted by others or just because of the fallenness and brokenness of the world. Whatever that pit represents, whether it's an emotional thing or a spiritual thing or a, a physical thing or a mental thing, whatever that's the scale of the need is, it's God's compassion in Jesus that moves him from the heart to do something, to, to reach into that need and express it somehow. Supremely, of course, expressed in his compassion for all of humanity as he went willingly to his death on the cross. So God of compassion. Just in brackets, by the way, it might be easy for us to, to hear some of these messages as, well, I'm made in God's image. After all, that's the, the title of the series. God is like this. I'm made in his image, so I need to become more like that. And of course, that's really great. And if God is speaking to, ends up speaking to you about being more compassionate, more like him in some way or another, more forgiving, more loving, more gracious, whatever it is, more faithful like Jesus, that wouldn't be a bad outcome, would it? If he's, and we need to pay attention. If that's what he's saying to you, then we need to pay attention to that voice and, and respond to it. But it's not really the main intention of these messages. Because before we leap too quickly to me, we're quite keen on leaping to me, aren't we, in my experience, and what I am like and what I need to do. God is encouraging us to pay more attention to what he is like and what he's done and what he's saying and what his nature is. Paul prays to the Ephesians that we'd be given a spirit of revelation that we might know him 
better. Is that your prayer, I wonder? Is that your prayer for the person sitting next to you, people around you? God, would you enable us to know you better? And the knowing there, of course, is experiencing. In felt reality, would you take us deeper to experience you more? So much flows from our understanding of God. Tozer said, Hills quoted this this morning, although she found a slightly different version of the quote than I did. But this is the version I found. Tozer, he's an old uh, American preacher. What I believe about God is the most important thing about me. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. Quite a provocative thing to say. We could, we could quibble about that, but it's provocative, isn't it? But why, why would that be true? Because what I believe about God, or don't, shapes everything about me. It shapes ultimately and influences the way that I view myself, and who I understand myself to be, shapes the way and influences the way I, I, I relate to the world, I relate to other people, I relate to God if he exists. It does impact on absolutely everything. None of us are born knowing God. That doesn't stop us from making some assumptions and picking up some things about him along the way, forming images, having perceptions of him based on all kinds of things, our own parents, our culture, the TV, what our classmates say, social media, everything, a whole bunch of stuff. So our journey of following Jesus, if we are, if we've begun that journey, is one of allowing God to reveal himself more and more. And some of those images and assumptions which may not conform to who he really is need to be ditched as he gives us that revelation. We take on more of the truth of who he is. We experience more of that, more of who he is, not who he isn't. So, so if you think, if you've formed an assumption or a view you've, you've grown up with, maybe willingly, uh, wittingly, maybe not, the, the, the view that God is distant and, he, and he's, he's slightly impersonal or he's mean or he's absent or he's passive or he's angry or he's whatever, then that will shape your perspective on him, the way you relate to him or don't, and play itself out in the way that you relate to others. If you don't think that God exists at all, that it's just a fairy tale, well, then that belief, what you believe about him, that he doesn't exist, will also play itself out in the way that you live and relate in the world. What I believe about God is the most important thing about me. So would you agree we really need to be praying that God would reveal more and more who he really is? So how firmly rooted then in your heart and in your mind and in your experience is this core conviction, this core belief that God is full of compassion, that he is a compassionate God. Of course, it's not just what he says, it's how then that compassion is demonstrated in Bible history and all history. Bible is filled actually, from cover to cover with references, with stories, with anecdotes, with the outworking of the compassion of God. If you add in a few other words, in addition to compassion from the close family, like mercy and a word called loving kindness, there are literally thousands of references to the compassion of God that give testimony to that. One theologian said this, it would not be inappropriate to characterize the entire Bible, the entire Bible, as a book that journals the mercy and compassion of God. This is his primary self-revelation. And obviously I've had the, the pleasure, the privilege as I've been studying this, just to work through a whole range of those references, stories, just reminding myself and finding new ones of where the grace of God, the compassion of God is at work and is expressed in some way amongst people. I haven't got time to do more than just 
skip through a few tonight, but I encourage you, as I encourage us always to be with our Bibles, maybe doing a word study is a really helpful thing to do. Plug in compassion and you soak, meditate on some of the things. If compassion is something that you want to grow in your awareness and experience of the compassion of God, then allow yourself to soak in the scriptures in this way. But here's just a few examples from Micah in the Old Testament. Who is God like you? who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. You don't stay angry forever. You delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You'll tread our sins underfoot, hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. See, time again, the people of God and certainly the enemies of God will be disappointing, will be, will be doing all kinds of things that rebelled against God, God's ways. Time and time and time again, God shows himself to be compassionate. Here are the people of Nineveh. They're the enemies of God's people. And yet in Jonah we read this. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and didn't bring upon them the destruction he'd threatened. So through the law, through the, the, the books of the Old Testament, through the histories, through the books of poetry, through the books of wisdom, through the Psalms especially, through all the prophets, the major ones, and the ones that we can't spell but score very well in Scrabble, all the way through the compassion of God. I wonder if that's your your view of God, even through the Old Testament, time and time again. Here's Psalm 103. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us as a father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, who take him seriously, basically. Isaiah, lovely prophetic writing. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. Picture that, God rising. I don't know if that refers to early morning. I don't think God God slumbers or sleeps, but imagine God rising. Why? He longs to do what? To show you. Yeah, and the person next to you as well, but you. He longs. It's his nature to show us his compassion again and again and again and again. So to people who are, who, who are sinful, which is, of course, all of us, but to people who are, who are uh, turning their backs on God in a messed up world, who are making bad choices, to those who are suffering in other kinds of ways, to those who are sick, to those who are starving, to those who are struggling, to those who are sad, to those who are without a shepherd, to those who are seeking answers started writing a list and they all began with S. Add your own feeling, whatever experience you feel that might begin with S or any other letter of the alphabet, frankly, whatever place we find ourselves, what is the condition of your heart and life right now? Are you in any of those places, struggling, suffering, sad, stuck, scared, seeking answers? To all of these conditions and more, God shows compassion. I could give verses for every, to demonstrate every one of those. Old and New Testament, many, many, many of them. Nick's got a whole bunch on the PowerPoint here, which we haven't got really time to go through. Even very practical stuff, by the way. You're hungry? Jesus looks at some people in that story of the feeding of the 5,000. The word there, again, he used. He calls his disciples, I've got compassion for these people. They've been with me three days. They're really hungry. We need to feed them. Very practical. To a bunch of other people, he weeps over a city. He says about them, I see these people and they're, 
They're like sheep without a shepherd. They're going in all kinds of directions. And frankly, they're really, really lost. And he says, I have compassion on them. There's something within him that rises up. What does does his answer to that compassion do? The next verse in Mark 10, I think it is, says this. So he began teaching them. See, his compassion will express itself in all kinds of ways. Feeds a hungry person. Teaching to people who need some instruction and some guidance in their lives. Some blind men come. What do you want me to do for you? We want to be healed in his compassion. He puts his hand on their eyes and they're healed. Their need was a physical one. He stepped into their physical need again and again and again and again. It will look different. Psalm 145, the Lord is good to all. His mercy, his compassion is over all that he has made. There's nobody sitting in the room here for whom the Lord does not want to show the full measure of his compassion and his nature without reserve, without condition. You can understand why I prayed earlier that we need to be anointed to receive this in our spirits. We, need to, we hear the words, but we need to re- be anointed to receive, again, an experience through God's enduring word, the, the, the experience of his compassion. The word, by the way, for the wordy people, uh, the Hebrew, the Greek, and the English, they're all good. The Hebrew, which is a very concrete language, has beautiful imagery around it. The, the word for compassion here is just a fraction different, but very, very linked with the word that means womb, the womb of a woman. You don't need me to tell you. Well, obviously, I don't appreciate what that's exactly what childbirth feels like. That is the most intimate, the most uh, personal and deep and profound of, of places, the, the, the place where new life is carried. Rachem is the, the word. Mike will correct my pronunciation if you're interested. I'm sure he could add to this. But here's the Hebrew sense. The compassion of God refers to something that is so deep, so profound, so personal. It's like the connection between a mother and a newborn or even the the, the baby that she's carrying in her womb. There could be nothing in the human experience that gets closer to that. And it'll be even more profound for God as humans search for language to describe that. In the Greek, it's often used of of Jesus in the New Testament. Sphangizomai, I think, is the word or something close to it, which again is about your innards, your guts, your liver. It's that deep Heart's belly thing. Friends, compassion is not just an ordinary kind of a word that we go, oh yeah, compassion, yeah, it's kind of the name of a great charity. That guy from Tim, he was uh, from from, uh, Compassion, Tim Robertson, he was here last week. Let's get our heads around this. This is a, a profoundly deep feeling that then results in action. It has to, it has to express itself. That kind of depth can't just stay there. It's not just a mental thing, it's from the, the guts. This is the, what it says of God then. And by the way, in English, the compassion, this is the, the Latin, cum with, passion, to suffer. Suffering with, entering into somebody else's pain, understanding somebody else's pain, being with somebody in their pain. Compassion. For you and for me. This is our God. This is our God. Always expresses itself in some way. Begins as a heartfelt experience, but it doesn't stay there. He is a feeling God. When I'm hurting, he hurts. When you're hurting, he hurts. Whether you're hurting because of your own dumb choices that have brought hurt and damage in the way that we do as fallen human beings, whether it's somebody else's hurting of you, 
whether it's the stuff of life, the brokenness of our, of our world that puts us into a hurting place, sickness, loneliness, whatever it is, God feels our pain. He is a compassionate God, full, full, full of compassion. What does that mean for us? Just a few headlines really briefly. First one is this, I don't blame him for my suffering. If he is the God of all compassion, and that means that he experiences pain when I'm in pain, he's with me in my suffering, he is never the cause of it. It's a great Matt Redman song, we, we, we know it, we sing it here, Blessed Be Your Name. You know that song? Great song, uh, In the Land That's Plentiful, song, song that talks about the blessing of God, whether I'm in good times, whether I'm in bad times, whether it's tough, whether I'm not, we, I'm going to choose to keep singing. It's a wonderful, wonderful song, apart from one line, which I'd never sing. <laughs> I told Josh this, and, and maybe you want to change it in your head too. If you, if you agree with me that this line is wrong, it says in the chorus, he gives and takes away. God gives and takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't believe that to be true. Yes, that's a line from Job. And that's Job's best attempt to explain what's, what's happening in his suffering, and he attributes it to God. But if Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father, do you ever see Jesus taking away? I only ever see him giving. Oh, God is a, a giving God. I sing the line, he gives and gives some more. That's what I sing. Sure, I can understand why we might think God, you know, God took this from me. I'm experiencing loss. Maybe God took it. But that would be a very capricious God, wouldn't it? That would be an unreliable God. That would be the kind of God you're not quite... If God takes away and causes that kind of pain, how would you ever know whether you could trust him? How would you know you would keep your relationship with him on a a fairly surface level, would you? You wouldn't trust fully your heart to a God like that. No, he's a God who is entirely trustworthy. He doesn't inflict suffering. He is full of compassion. And there is so much suffering. Oh my goodness. So much suffering. We need a a heart after God too, just to, to, to be with people in suffering. We'll come back to that in a minute. But God allows it for sure. That's the flip side of, of love, isn't it? He allows for suffering to happen. He uses it, but he doesn't cause it. Second, his compassion means that I'm, I'm not judged or condemned. Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. There is no condemnation. Why? Because he's, he's dealt with that stuff. He's taken my judgment that I deserved. His favor is on me. His heart is for me. His help is not conditional on my behavior. He is not surprised when I make tough choices, when I mess up. He's not surprised about that at all. My weakness, my brokenness, my sin. But he doesn't blame me. I'm not condemned. Why? Because the cross dealt with that. 2,000 years ago, that was dealt with at Calvary. So I'm not condemned. Does that make me careless about my sin? No, of course not. That's a different message. But it means he doesn't condemn me. And if I'm honest, my own testimony in this, and I'm still on the journey, it has been very significant. I I'm, was so privileged to be, have parents who, are, who love the Lord, to have a very secure kind of background. But I still kind of grew up with this image that God was just still a little bit distant and a little bit impersonal and a little bit disappointed with me when I, when I stuffed up. And he just wanted me to be a little bit better and to achieve a little bit more and to behave a little bit like a Christian should and, and all of that kind of thing. Those are the kind of, that's a little bit the background soundtrack of my mind. I felt therefore I used to disappoint him. I felt I let him down. So I just needed to try a bit harder. His pleasure in me was affected by my performance 
by my achievement. That's what, kind of what I grew, grew up with for the first couple of decades of my life. And the journey for me, particularly in my very early 20s, beginning to have an understanding and experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and then some significant encounters, not least, by the way, in, in uh, Toronto. I was privileged to be able to go over there where God was doing an amazing thing, and I spent a lot of time on the floor laughing, but that's another story. But through those experiences and then on through my life, just bit by bit, and then in some decisive ways, including even a couple of years ago, that voice that says, God is a little bit disappointed when I stuff up. There's a little bit of condemnation there. You just need to sort your act out just a bit more. Tim, you should know better than that. You've been, on the, you've, been, you know, you've been on this road long enough. You ought to. You should. You could. That voice was decisively um, silenced. Why? Because the compassion of God. Begin to understand the compassion of God. It doesn't sit alone. It can't sit alongside judgment and condemnation. Third, I'm never alone or misunderstood in my pain. Some of you in the room are experiencing excruciating pain right now in your lives. You need to hear this word in the depths of your spirit. You are not alone. You are never alone. You may feel alone. You may feel lonely. You may feel misunderstood. There's somebody who does not misunderstand you, and he says, I'm with you. I'm so with you in your pain. The God of compassion does that. I told the story, so I'm not going to retell it, a, a few weeks ago of somebody from this church, young man from this church, who was wandering around and ended up on a bench having an extraordinary prophetic word that unlocked something of the compassion of God for a woman who'd had a miscarriage. The word of knowledge was actually the, the name of the baby that she had lost. Extraordinary moment sitting on a bench where feeling incredibly lonely and isolated. Something of the compassion of God met with her in that moment. I was reminded of the story of Forrest Gump a while ago, too, as I was preparing for this, too. Um, you've seen that film, Forrest Gump, and he's, he's, he's bullied, he's uh, isolated at school, and there's a moment where he gets onto the bus, and he, nobody allows him to sit next to them on the bus. So he walks all the way down the bus, and everybody's got abuse for him until he gets to one person. It's his friend who becomes Jenny, his wife. And she says, you can sit next to me if you like. I just carry that as a beautiful image of what God says to us in our pain and in our loneliness. You can sit next to me if you like, or I'll come and sit next to you. Let me show you my compassion. Receive my compassion. Fourth, I can expect discipline. The compassion of God means actually I can expect some discipline. Why? Because God's compassion doesn't always come in the form that we really want it to sometimes. If, I'm not talking about some quick fix here. I'm not talking about he gives us everything that we want in the way that we want it. You know he's not a sugar candy God. Compassionate parents know this. If you had parents who were compassionate enough to discipline you, you had good parents. There's no compassion in saying, oh, I just, I just love them and let them do what they want. That's, sorry, friends, that's, that's a very thing of our age to say. That's not love. That's not compassion. Compassion sometimes means allowing for people to experience a little bit of pain for the greater good. Allowing our children to experience the pain of the consequences of some of their bad choices in order that they learn some stuff that they need to learn. Why? Because I've got, I'm a father and I love my children. I've got compassion for my children to the point that I want them to learn some things because otherwise if they don't, these things are going to really hurt them later in life when the consequences are bigger. Remember one of our sons, we used to drive him to school before he could drive himself. And uh, he was consistently a little bit late out of school. And it was kind of frustrating for us, but it wasn't great for him either if we just continued to oh, moan at him, oh, you're late again, come on, try harder, do better the next time. So we just took to saying that we didn't call our, our um, car the taxi, it wasn't the taxi, it was the bus. 
There's a difference between a taxi and a bus. Buses leave at a particular time. Taxis wait for you. So we're a bus, not a taxi, and the bus will leave at 4 o'clock. If you're on the bus, that's lovely. We'll take you home. If you're not, that's fine. You won't. And guess what happened? Of course, you missed the bus. Phone call. Where are you? Well, we said, sorry, the bus left at 4 o'clock. <laughs> what am I going to do? I don't know, darling. What are you going to do? Well, I don't know. How to, you know. You get the point. Sometimes compassion for the greater good is a little uncomfortable if you're... So, so God does discipline us. Read Hebrews uh, 12, I think it is. Every good parents discipline their children. How much more? God disciplines us for our good. Verse 10 of Hebrews 12. I think it might, there might be a verse up there. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. You can say that. Painful. However, it produces a harvest. as good stuff that flows. The fact that God is always compassionate, nearly there, means that I always have hope. I always have hope. God doesn't write anybody off ever. He is the God of the second, fifth, hundredth chance. And I was thinking this morning, actually, I've, I've been around here a long time, had the privilege of getting to know a lot of people. Um, and it's a, it is a wonderful honor. And I was looking around church this morning, a, a bit less so this evening, because I can't quite see so many people in the dark here. And I was thinking, yeah, over the years, I've seen some spectacular mess-ups, actually. Seen folks in all kinds of difficulty. People who have ended up in prison. People who have had awful things done to them, terrible injustices. I've seen so many addictions. Seen uh, people who have lost babies. People involved in car accidents where somebody got killed. People carrying a whole bunch of extraordinary stuff. And yet, I was looking around and very, very moved. Some of, some, some of those people and some of those stories were in the room, as they probably are here now. I was thinking, why are they here? What's happened? Oh, it's because... Somehow God communicated hope to that person in that situation. They've latched on to hope. And why is that? Why have they got hope? Because he's a God of compassion. Because he doesn't write anybody off. He wants to express compassion, his nature to people. Because he doesn't want them to stay locked in the prison of discouragement or despair or hopelessness ever. Because of God's compassion, I'm never helpless. I am never helpless. I may be the victim of injustice. I may be on the wrong end of somebody else's behavior, or I may have imposed it on myself, but I'm never helpless. God will not allow us to have what I call a victim mindset, because we are never, in that sense, victims. God, it's, it, God is the helper. Psalm 121, I've loved this for all the years I've lived in Cheltenham, especially because Cleve Hill, as we know, is the best hill in the world. I, Psalm 121, is read at our wedding, I lift my eyes up to the hills. And by the way, that's a, that's a reference to danger, not to beauty. It's not Cleve Hill. Hills represented danger. It's where the robbers and the bandits were. I lift my eyes up to the hills. I see danger. I see difficulty. I see, I see challenge. I see a world that's tough. I see the pain in my life at the moment. I see things that get me down. I lift my eyes to those things. I go, where does my help come from? Psalm 121 says, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, he is my helper always. And because it's his nature and his promise, he can only be good to his nature and his promise. He's so consistent. He can't have an off day. And, and the day that you need him to be your helper, he's not your helper. And the day that you want him to be compassionate, he's not compassionate. He can't do that. He will not let your foot slip, says the psalm. The, the Lord watches over you. He will keep you from harm. It may not look like what I want it to look like or what I expect, but I can rely on his help always. Sometimes, of course, that help comes through the hands and the feet of his body. That's you and me. 
And I will end on this note, even though this has been about the, the God of all compassion, and it's his compassion that we need to understand and experience and rely on and enjoy. But actually, that does then express itself through his body, and we need to be those people who are growing ourselves in compassion and reaching out to others, because that's precisely how God will help some people, many people, to experience his compassion through you. Colossians 3, clothe yourself with compassion, God's compassion, as we receive it, so we give it. It's a beautiful story of um, Tony Campolo, remember him? He was here actually a couple of years ago for, as a compassion advocate. He tells this brilliant story of him. He found himself in a coffee shop very early in the morning. He had jet lag in Honolulu in Hawaii. And he realized that the people in the co- coming into the coffee shop at that time in the morning were prostitutes. They were sex workers from the streets. And he got talking and heard the, dis- the despair and the, and, and the lack of hope and so on in their voices, the sadness of their situation. And there was one of them whose birthday it was the next day, and she was just saying you know, how she wasn't looking forward to it, because why would she ever look forward to something like that? Nobody's going to celebrate it. And you probably, it's a re- reasonably well-known story, but he has this God-given moment of compassion, He's an inspired moment. And uh, he has a quiet word with the owner of the, the bar where they are, the, the coffee shop where they are. And the next night, when they all come in, where, where these women come in, and the words got around, apart from to Agnes, she's the, the one whose birthday it is, and they've decked the whole place out, and they've thrown a load of money at it, and they have this fantastic birthday party to celebrate Agnes, who's never been celebrated or valued in that way before. It's a truly beautiful story of compassion. No judgment, no conditional, no do this, do that, no smarten up your act. It's a beautiful illustration wherever you are at, friend. God is showing and showering his compassion on us. Will we receive it? Will we experience it? Will we believe it? Will we allow our whole selves to be shaped by the truth of who God is. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Because it's really, really important that we respond by allowing God a chance just to continue to minister to his presence to us, his heart to us. We are made in the image of a God who is all compassion, always, for all people, all of the time. I say it again, all compassion for all people, all of the time. And that's you right now. That's you, where you are right now. So take a, a, a stretch if you need to. In so many ways, this is a precious, precious moment. I'm going to invite you, I think most of all, to close your eyes. I think that's the best way to avoid other distractions, if you want to. I don't want to control anything. At least allow yourself to be in the best receiving mode that you know how. I've got a few things uh, that I'll be sharing as I waited on the Lord this week and earlier. But we've got plenty of time to allow the Lord to reach deep into where we are. So we might have a very quiet bit of music, but otherwise we're just going to wait for a while. We're just going to wait for a while. We're going to wait. And part of that will be listening for, for yourself, and that's, in fact, mainly it's that. 
I am just going to say this, though, that, that if you have a sense that what the Holy Spirit gives to you is a way that, or, or a situation that he wants to express his compassion in, something he wants to bless, something he wants to do, then I'm going to invite you to come and share that with Gareth. Gareth's going to be standing just here. Please do that. This is a body thing. It's not just about me and what I've heard. Like Gareth was saying earlier, we're learning, all of us, hear the Lord. So if you sense that God is saying something that is for sharing, because God wants to show his compassion to a particular person, it could be a name, it could be a scenario, it could be anything. If it's not for you, but it might be for somebody here, would you come and share that with Gareth quietly, and then Gareth will feed that in uh, just in a little while. But let's just be quiet, shall we? Let's wait. on you, compassionate God. God of all compassion, Father of all compassion and mercy, we're waiting on you, Lord. Saying, come, would you bless us, would you minister to us, would you speak to us? Would you help us to grab a hold of everything that you want to give? start sharing one or two senses of people that the Lord is inviting. The best way of responding to this invitation is actually to move your body and to find some space where somebody can pray for you. It's a little more tricky. We've experienced that. We're in the round like this, but there is plenty of space over here to my left, to my right. Just make yourself known and some people will come and pray. That's how I'd love us to respond. There's something about just moving from where we are. It's an expression of moving towards God. You don't need to share what you don't want to share. Take courage to do that if, if these things are for you. Don't wait for an invitation either, by the way. You don't need to hear a particular word. God's invitation is always open. So if you know you want prayer, you, you move already. Just get going. Maybe just hold your hands out when you get there so people know that it's for, for you. Thank you. Here we go. And members of the family who want to pray, just keep your eyes open. Both sides. Come down from the balcony if you want. <clears throat> Start with this. There was a really beautiful message that came through this morning in result of this message this morning. And there was a man who'd been trapped in a cycle of not feeling good enough for God for years. Member of this church, for years kept feeling that he messed up, he messed up, he messed up. God couldn't possibly bless him or 
give him worth or he couldn't feel God's compassion for him until he'd somehow sorted it out. If you are living in that kind of place, may not be as bad as that, but if you're living in that kind of place, I'm just not good enough for this. I keep messing up. You're stuck in a cycle. It feels like you're stuck in a cycle. God wants to, to release you. He wants to bring you greater freedom. You come. You come and get yourself free today. God wants to bless you in that. You're stuck in that sense of God's waiting for me to get better. I keep failing. That word failure sits over you. There's people here experiencing acute loss. It could be the loss of somebody who's special to you. It could be the loss of a friendship. It could be the loss of a job. I don't know. But loss is your reality at the moment. God, the, the God of all compassion, wants to speak into that. If loss is your deal, get, get some prayer. Get somebody to minister the compassion of God to you. Please come. Just make your way forward. Just come. Either side's here especially. Your cry to the Lord is, come and sit next to me. Lord, can I sit next to you? And the Lord says, come and sit next to me. Come and sit next to me. That's your cry. That expresses your heart. Come, just come, come, come. Compassionate God awaits. The one who wants to sit next to you, come. Someone just had a... A word that they, God had been speaking to them about a number of times this week. And it was about uh, a word about just feeling like you're constantly just grinding away. Just constantly working away, working so hard. And the, the Lord would want to say to you, stop. Stop, be still. Be still. And there's that psalm, isn't there? Be still and know that I am God. And maybe you're in that place that this week you feel like you've just been working so hard, you've been on a treadmill as it were. And the Lord is just wanting to say, be still, stop, be still. Make me the priority. Make my presence the priority. Being Amen. with me. Amen. Amen. That's you. Just Amen. encourage you to come to the front, um, to um, one of the sides. Just come now. We'd um, love to get someone to pray for you. Have a couple of people to come and pray Thank you, Jesus. as well. That'd be great. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. I want to encourage us not to switch off. Just continue to engage with God. Continue to engage with God. Plenty of time. Nothing's more important than that. Let's be honest. There is a song that we sing and a prayer that we pray which goes, Lord, break my heart for the things that break yours. I'm going to ask if that's your prayer, if you are after a heart that is more like God's, that is more full of compassion and that is more empty of judgment. Those two things cannot coexist. We cannot be compassionate for one group of people and say that we hate another or, or, or operate in judgment against another. God's heart is all compassion. If you're longing for your heart to be more like his, as I am, it's my daily prayer, Lord, would you help me to be more compassionate, less judgmental. If that's you, tonight is a great night for God to minister to that, to bless us with his compassionate heart. I can't believe there's a person in the room, actually, who doesn't want a more compassionate heart. So you can't have everybody moving. But if you know, just know this is a moment for you. Come, come, come. 
We need to be a compassionate church, amen, in a judgmental, blame kind of culture. We will be distinguished from the world around us as we become more compassionate. Step into need, whatever that need is. So friends, let's, let's invite God to soften our hearts. If that's you tonight, just make your way. Let's get some prayer. Let's bless one another like that. If for some reason you don't want to move and you don't want to come and stand, well, just you've come with a friend, put a hand on their shoulder and just bless them with the compassion of God. More of you, Lord. Someone just had a picture of words that were written down and that they were words that were lies about a particular person and um, just saw the, a, a pair of scissors just coming and cutting off those words from the piece of paper and them just falling to the ground. And if, if you know that there have been lies that, you've, that either have been spoken over you or have been, um, that you've believed about yourself, just know that the Lord wants to cut you off from those lies and um, encourage you, if that speaks to you, to come to the front now so that we can pray for you. Someone else had a word and um, it was a word um, for someone particularly who um, you are someone that has been taken advantage of. Um, It's been deeply painful, been deeply hurtful and you've been taken advantage of by someone and the Lord wants you to know that he is with you it wasn't your fault but that he is with you and he wants to come and release and bring healing um, to that situation that happened to you in Jesus name thank you Jesus the Lord is doing really really good things because he always is this is a deep thing there's so much depth there's nothing could be for nothing could be deeper than than the heart stuff the belly stuff of compassion and God is releasing some people. It's just releasing. You know, just you just need releasing. You, you don't feel free. You know, you couldn't even say why. You just know that you need to be released. Just come. God showed His. Jesus showed His compassion in healing. I didn't have a particular sense. I'll be really honest about which parts of the body, what conditions. But friends, He's a God of compassion. Please come and just allow yourself to be prayed for. If you're in in any kind of sickness, or if anybody's got any words about that, just come and tell Gareth. The band are going to sing again in a moment of the goodness of God. His compassion is an expression of his goodness. They're going to sing that new song again about the goodness of God. Let's continue to engage with him, continue to receive, continue to bless one another. We just say more of you, Holy Spirit. Could do with one or two more to come and pray over my right-hand side.